Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply. Game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell here for the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. And Wes, we got South Carolina, Missouri today, noon kickoff on the SEC Network at Williams Bryce. And I think it's been a tough week for South Carolina coming off that loss to Kentucky. And, you know, the challenge this week has been to turn the attention to Missouri. And the Gamecocks are dealing with injuries this week as well, Wes. Yeah, they are. You know, I think it's been a tough week for. You know, for the fan base as well, and um, obviously there's been a lot of guys banged up, some that will play against Missouri and some that will not, and uh, I guess most guys have been on Jake Bentley all week, and, um, you know, from from what I've been told, South Carolina will obviously take another final look at Jake Bentley on Saturday to see if he can play before the game, but right now, um, you know, according to multiple reports, and we've talked to folks as well, um, it, it seems more and more like the expectation is that Michael Skarnecki will end up starting this football game, um, at least as we're recording on Friday. That seems to be how this thing is trending. So, um, you know, we'll certainly still be tracking that leading all the way up to the game. Nothing is official yet, uh, so I want to make that clear. But, um, you know, as the week has gone on, you know, Bentley's dealt with some pain, I think. Um, Skarnecki has taken a lot of the first-team reps in preparation for possibly starting. Um, Bentley did do a little bit more on Thursday, I was told, than he did the rest of the week. So there was a little bit of um, positive movement there. But um, right now, just as far as preparation for this game and, and, and sort of getting ready, it's been Skarnecki that has taken the majority of those first-team reps that uh, are your more game-plan-based reps that you take throughout the week. Right. Wes, news broke on Friday that Skarnecki might get his first start as a Gamecock. And – you know, I fully anticipated Bentley would be ready to go. And, you know, obviously I don't have inside information. I have no knowledge of the situation. But it felt to me like, you know, Bentley was going to be ready. But now it looks like Skarnekia may get his first start. Yeah, looking that way. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, and the first thing fans are going to ask is, can you know, can South Carolina win this game with Michael Skarnekia at quarterback? What does Michael Skarnekia bring to the table? Um, you know, he's a – He's a pass-first quarterback. He, he does throw a beautiful ball. I mean, he throws a catchable football, nice spiral. Um, it's kind of interesting to me that he's the last, you know, Steve Spurrier recruited quarterback on this roster. And when I watch Michael Skarnicki drop back just his fundamentals, his technique, his footwork, um, he, he looks like a Steve Spurrier-trained quarterback with the, 
you know, Spurrier's quarterbacks always sort of had the football high and tight up up behind their ear hole almost in their helmets. Um, to me, that was a signature of a Steve Spurrier coach quarterback. And, you know, I look at Skarnakia, even though Spurrier's been gone obviously a number of years now, um, he, he just sort of looks like a, a Spurrier guy. He gets the football out quickly. Sometimes that means just, you know, dumping the football off underneath the zone as opposed to putting it in danger and, and throwing down the seams or, you know, trying to, to find some, some areas in the zone deeper. But, um, but yeah, he, he's a kid that's worked really, really hard to get to this position. He's been, he's taken his job as the backup very, very seriously. He does have uh, the respect of his teammates who I'm sure are excited that he's going to get his chance, but um, it, it's obviously a, a lot to, to put on a guy who's never made a, a start as well. When you look across the way and you see a Missouri offense that has the ability to put up points in bunches. So Skarnecchia got some action in the Coastal Carolina game earlier this year, and he's had, you know, spot duty here and there over the years, but not much. And Muschamp talked about him during his midweek press conference this week, Wes, and, you know, he said good things about Skarnecchia. Skarnecchia's been around a program a long time. He is very comfortable at South Carolina, and he's familiar with the offense now, so he knows what he's supposed to do, but he just hasn't seen a lot of live bullets. Yeah, he, he hasn't. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult in this league because teams are going to give you Teams are going to give you different looks, and teams are going to give you, um, you know, especially if they know that the guy hasn't seen a lot of uh, true playing time. You know, the game moves faster, I'm sure, when you're out there for the first time. And, you know, Missouri's been a defense that actually has struggled a little bit. Um, you know, I think they're second to last in the conference in, in total defense as far as, you know, yardage per game allowed. Um, so, you know, they're, they're probably going to, look back and say, hey, you know, we, we can throw the kitchen sink at this guy and see if we can confuse him because, um, you know, if, if all it takes is two or three mistakes and, and it can change a game. So I, I think that's a concern for South Carolina. Um, but the positive side of it, man, is that this is a Missouri defense that has been very uh, susceptible to the pass. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it that, uh, okay, the, the sort of common thought is going to be, well, you simplify, you run the football, you establish the run, and you take as much of the game off of Skarnecki as possible. But I'm looking, man, Missouri's way better against the run than they are against the pass. Um, the, the play may actually be to just come out and try to find Skarnecki as some, some nice, easy throws early on and let him build that confidence and then maybe try to come back to the running game. Because a lot of times I notice when teams, when teams try to take too much off of a quarterback, then the other team knows they're going to run the football. Yep. The other team maybe is better at running, at stopping the run, and then you put your quarterback in third and seven, and it's a way worse situation than if you were just aggressive and let them throw on first and ten. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I thought um, I thought Clemson with with Chase Bryce getting thrown into that spot last week, um, they were a little bit too conservative, I think, with him early on for that very reason. So. I think uh, for South Carolina, you know, maybe maybe you go opposite and just come out and, and throw it around a little bit. So a lot of uncertainty for the Gamecocks with the quarterback situation this week. Noon kickoff today for South Carolina, Missouri on the SEC Network. And we're going to hear later today from Colin Taylor, our staff writer. We'll also hear from Gabe DeArmond, who is the publisher of Power Mizzou.com. He'll give us a look at the Missouri side of things heading into today's game. And, Wes, you know, I, I got to ask you if – Skarnicki ends up getting the start. What are the chances that we see Dak Joyner today? You know, I, I think that the chances are pretty good. I, uh, 
you know, I do my little Carolina Confidential every week that I put out my final thoughts and predictions on the game. And, um, you know, I'm predicting that we see on Joyner for the first time this week. You know, it makes sense. Um, not that not that I'm saying he's ready to go out there and take over the offense or anything like that, but I think considering what South Carolina's up against, considering that they do uh, – they are going to have to get creative in some ways, I, I think it's time to, to just see what he can do, even if it's a small package here or there to sort of change up the, the pace of the game or – to possibly use in short yardage or goal line when you're when you're dealing with more guys around the line of scrimmage and a running quarterback can be helpful um, just to sort of implement that quarterback run game aspect uh, you, and you have to let him throw a little bit too just to keep the opponent from dialing in on that but uh, you know if if, if you're going to see Joiner this year and obviously he's got four games to play with and still redshirt and they haven't burned any of those yet they haven't played him at all so. Um, you know, down the stretch of this season, if you want, you can sort of uh, manage his time and get him in there for, for a number of plays. And I, I think uh, considering everything going on with the quarterback position right now at South Carolina, it makes a lot of sense for this to be the day that we get to see what the carry-on Joiner can do. Yes, it does. And, Wes, I got to tell you, you know, I would like to see Joiner. I'm sure a lot of fans feel the same way, uh, particularly if, if Skarnecki gets a start. You know, I think best-case scenario is that Bentley is healthy and he plays the whole game. But – if the Gamecocks are forced to go with Skarnekia as the starter, I'd like to see a couple packages with on Joiner because it'll be a glimpse of the future. Yeah, it could be. And I, I think, um, you know, any time you're putting together your offense, you, you want for there to be as many opportunities to sort of take the defense out of their comfort zone as possible. And uh, it's one more person or one more aspect or attack for them to have to uh, look out for and have to adjust to. So, you know, if you're South Carolina, you're looking for as many as those opportunities. You can't, you know, you can't just be conservative just because you got a different quarterback in there. You got to find ways to be creative. And um, Joiner gives you a little bit different uh, skill set at the position. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think uh, it, it just makes too much sense for this not to be the week you do it. Joiner's an athlete, and he would bring a whole other dimension to the Gamecock offense. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes down today with the Gamecocks in the quarterback position. West quarterback, not the only position where the Gamecocks are banged up this week. Yeah, they're, they're banged up in a number of positions. You know, JT Ebay, the safety, is a graduate transfer in from Rice that has started the first four games. He's out um, until the bye week. Um, you know, they announced on Thursday that Eldridge Thompson, the linebacker, uh, reserve linebacker, is out for the season due to a shoulder issue. Uh, Brian Edwards has been banged up. Um, now, from what I've heard on Brian Edwards, is sort of the opposite of Jake Bentley that, you know, they'll, I'm sure they'll test him uh, before the game as well, but uh, everything I've heard on Brian Edwards points to him uh, playing on Saturday, which is obviously, uh, you know, if you're South Carolina, you need all your weapons out there, as many weapons out there as possible. Uh, looks like Jemias Williams, who's been banged up, should be good to go. So, um, yeah, th- this team very quickly, though, has, has gotten banged up at a number of positions. So, Wes, with eBay out today, we're looking at, you know, three possible replacements at safety or it may be, you know, safety by committee with eBay out. Yeah, and I, you know, I think as long as Jemias Williams is able to go, then he's probably your starter in eBay's spot. Though, Nick, you know, Nick Harvey, um, he, he's still in the mix there as well. Um, you know, I, I think those would be the two guys I would look to, to play the most uh, alongside Stephen Montag. Um, I have heard Jalen Dickerson has – has shown some flashes lately. You know, he was a kid that we talked about a lot early on as being someone that this staff is very, very high on. He has, uh, 
you know, he, he's made improvements I've heard in practice, so he may be a guy to watch. But um, as long as Jemias is healthy and Nick Harvey's in the mix, um, you know, I would expect those two guys to play a bunch. All right, Muschamp mentioned Javon Charleston as a possible you know, player at safety with uh, eBay injured this week. So injury's been a real story this week, Wes. In fact, Muschamp mentioned eight different players on the injury report during Tuesday's midweek press conference. So South Carolina you know, largely has been very healthy all year until this week. Yes, they have. And then uh, you know, I guess something that's been completely overshadowed is that uh, Chad Terrell might make his um, sort of re-debut, I guess you will. Um, he's uh, returning from an ACL injury this uh, spring that um, he's fully recovered from, returned to practice this week, and he may uh, – Muschamp said he will play. So he, uh, he, he may be out there for the first time uh, on Saturday, which um, obviously they can use uh, all the depth they can get at, at any of their positions. Pivotal ball game today between South Carolina and Missouri, and this is the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell here. We're going to hear from Colin Taylor and Gabe DeArmond later in the podcast. Wes, the Gamecocks come in 2-2 two and two overall and 1-2 and two in the Southeastern Conference. Missouri's coming off a bye week. They're 3-1. and one. They're 0-1 in the league. They lost to Georgia two weeks ago, 43-29. That was played in Missouri, and – I talked with Gabe DeArmond earlier this week on Gamecock Central Radio about the fact that Missouri played Georgia a much more competitive ball game than South Carolina did. That's just a fact. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, this is a this is a pretty good Missouri team coming in. They're Obviously, they're going to have their quarterback available. Uh, we, you know, we don't know that South Carolina will. And Drew, Drew Locke, I mean, this guy um, is good, man. He, he spreads the football around all over the place. They have a little bit more of a running game this year which uh, makes them even more dangerous. Um, And, and, you know, I I think, honestly, that this is a game where South Carolina is going to have to be able to get back to what it was able to do the last two years, and that's create turnovers. You know, they they had a bunch of ball games. You can go back where the the offenses were were fairly similar, you know, total offense as far as South Carolina and their opponent. The numbers in between the 20s a lot of times look very, very similar. But then South Carolina – was able to play great red zone defense. They were able to create turnovers, and that's been the difference in a lot of ball games. So I think for South Carolina to win this game at home, big SEC game for them, they're going to have to find a way to put the football back in their offense's hands because, you know, this Missouri offense is not one that you can keep giving the ball back to. If South Carolina has any struggles on offense and keeps putting the ball in Drew Locke's hands, you're, you're just not going to be able to keep them down all game long so I think turnovers on uh, creating turnovers on defense and finding a way to possess the football on offense not not to say you have to go score every time or score 35 points but the offense is going to have to find a way to stay on the field and just limit Missouri's um, possessions a little bit which you know this offseason that that really hasn't been the talk for South Carolina it's been more about tempo 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 introducing that side of things but I think today with what they're up against and with what they're dealing with, you kind of have to go back to the idea of um, trying to possess the football and trying to limit the limit the, the game a little bit. Wes, the Gamecocks did a fantastic job last year of minimizing turnovers on offense, and they created a bunch on defense. And that just hasn't been the case this year on either side of the football. I believe the Gamecocks have nine turnovers in four games and have only come up with four takeaways. How do you explain – that change from last year to this year? Well, you know, I think some of it's kind of easy. A, uh, you know, we're still talking about a pretty small sample size when it comes to turnovers. Um, 
you know, those things come in bunches, I think. You'll have zero or one in, in one game, and then you'll have four or five in another when a team really gets in a position to to sort of it's, – it's almost contagious when a team's playing bad. They turn the ball over multiple times. And, and also, I think you look at the flow of those games. The two best teams South Carolina has played, they've played with a lead. So if you're Georgia or if you're Kentucky, what, what reason do you have to put the ball in danger? You know, you, you have no reason to take risks. You know, I, I think it's easy to look at those numbers and uh, and say, oh, you know, defense just didn't get the ball out. But if you're if you're playing from behind, then you're having to try to fit the football in tighter spots. You're having to try to um, throw the football more. You're having to take a few more chances. If you're the Georgia Bulldogs and you have the biggest offensive line I've ever seen in my life, and you have outstanding running backs, and you have a quarterback who's very accurate with the short passing game on the outside, the, the ball is just frankly not going to be in danger um, if you have a lead. Kentucky, you know, they're, they're up 24-3 they're up to three at halftime. They're not going to put the ball in danger in the second half. There's no need to. Um, they, you know, they had one interception. But, you know, so I, I think a lot of that is just when you put yourself behind in a ball game, uh, the opponent just is not in as many spots to turn the football over because they're going to be uh, inherently more conservative. So South Carolina, I think, especially early on in ball games when when the game is still in the balance, I guess you would say, it's been South Carolina that's had the big turnovers. You know, the pick six against Georgia, the fumble uh, backed up on their own goal line against Kentucky. You know, th- those are the plays we've seen South Carolina be on the other end of in the past. So. I think a big turnover from the defense. Um, the defense turned over Drew Locke a number of times last season. And I remember some big turnovers in the game two years ago between these two teams in Columbia, South Carolina, that uh, that helped South Carolina win the football game. So, to me, that that's a big key for them. Uh, it's always a key, but especially to, especially in this game. So Carolina's two and two and one and two in the league. Missouri three and one and zero oh and one. But Missouri coming off a bye week, and their wins this year have come against Tennessee, Martin, Wyoming, and at Purdue. And I thought that Purdue game was interesting, West, because Missouri they won the game forty to thirty seven, but Purdue threw for five hundred seventy two yards in that ball game and lost. They still you know, they lost the game despite the fact they threw for almost six hundred yards. So. You know, going into the week this week, Wes, you know, I really thought that this might be a chance for the Gamecock offense to find some sync again and to have a productive day, particularly if Bentley were healthy. So the Jake Bentley injury has kind of thrown a monkey wrench in all those plans. Yeah, and, you know, this is a Purdue team that obviously can throw the football around, but uh, Purdue, I, I don't think Purdue has a win this year either, do they? So Yeah, they beat um, Boston College the week after they lost to, to uh, Missouri. Okay, but they they started they started zero and three. They were zero and three, and then they yeah. beat uh, BC, which had moved into the top twenty five at that time. That's right. That was several weeks yeah. ago. Okay, yeah, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, um, you, you know, you you look and like I said earlier, there there's probably some room to uh, exploit this Missouri defense in the passing game, and uh, you know their numbers have obviously when you give up that many yards in the passing game, uh, it skews your numbers really for the entire rest of the season. Uh, sometimes, but, uh, you know, you look at – I pulled it up now, man, 614 total yards of offense for Purdue in that game. Um, you know, you, you're not you're not a good defense, obviously, when you give up that number of yards. So, 
it, it could really be an opportunity. I, I know, I know more so an opportunity if Bentley had been in there, but that, you know, if this thing happens the way we think it will, but, uh, there, there's a lot worse situations, I think, for Skarnecchia to step into than against this defense and then being at home. So there, there will be plays to be made. I, I just think, um, you know, and these wide receivers have to bounce back as well. They they all know they didn't have their best game last week against Kentucky. They got to bounce back and, and go help their uh, backup quarterback and step up and, and make some big plays on those 50-50 balls. A pivotal game for both teams today, Wes. Missouri's October schedule is really tough. They go to Alabama next week. Then they've got a non-conference game, and then they host Kentucky. So they're looking at back-to-back road games starting today against the Gamecocks. And then they've got Kentucky at home later in the month, and this might be the best Kentucky team in 40 years. And, you know, from the Gamecock perspective, Carolina's still got Texas A&M coming up. they got Florida coming up. they got Clemson coming up. It's a pivotal game today, Wes. Got to have it. Yeah, it is huge. I mean, you start looking through and trying to pick out wins. And, you know, South Carolina, they, they found nine wins on their schedule last year, and they, they lost to Georgia last year. Obviously, they lost to Georgia this year. They lost to Kentucky last year. They lost Kentucky this year. So they're still, you know, they started slow last year too, and they're still on a similar track if they could, if they can find a way to correct some of the mistakes they've made. But obviously in that nine-win season last year, one of those wins was a win over Missouri. So uh, they, to me, to have any chance of being the team that we thought they could be um, preseason and start hitting those win totals, they really, really need a win against Missouri because, like you said, you know, you got South Carolina's got Texas A&M coming up. They're a really talented football team uh, that'll be coming. At least for them, that game is in Columbia. But still, if you if you lose this one, you know, what, what's the psyche of the team at that point? How's the program feel at that point? Um, you know, it, you're really in a you're really in a danger zone at that point of possibly even talking about bowl eligibility. Uh, you know, not being in play. So I, I think you you look at last year, you know, this time last year, South Carolina had uh, had lost to both those two teams they lost to this year. They they should have lost to Louisiana Tech, and they found a way to win at the end, and they blew a late lead against Texas A&M. So nobody thought they were going to go win nine games at this point in the season last year. They fixed some things. They turned some things around. So it can be done. I, I think a lot of people are sort of, almost writing this year off because of what's happened. But it can be done, but it, it needs to really start at williams Bryce Stadium this weekend. Real interesting what's going to happen today with the Gamecock quarterback situation. You know, if Bentley does not play and Skarnickia gets his first start, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the Gamecock offense looks like. Skarnickia, 6'3", 216 pounds, signed with Steve Spurrier's coaching staff back in 2014, like Wes told you. He redshirted twice, Wes, in 14 and again in 16. Uh, outstanding student athlete in 2017 and in 2018. He earned the offense's GPA award, so he's a fantastic student, but he just hasn't seen a lot of action. He's only thrown 13 passes in his career, and 12 of those came this year. He was He's 8 of 13 passing in his career, uh, 7 of 12 this season, and he was 4 of 6 for 45 yards after replacing Jake Bentley last week. So, you know, an opportunity certainly for Skarnickia if he ends up being the starter, you know, a chance to come in and say, hey, I've been in this program a long time. I can come in and fill in for Jake Bentley on a week that he might be banged up and help South Carolina to a win. So a real opportunity for him, Wes. He's got to be excited. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you, 
you're the backup quarterback. A lot of times you work really, really hard, maybe as hard as everybody else on the team, and you never really get to go out and show what you're made of. And, uh, you know, like you said, he's a senior. He's a smart kid. Um, I, I think it's just about playing within himself, not trying to do too much. And, and that, that's why I think the, the rest of the team sort of has to rally around him and, and make some plays for him because if – if South Carolina gets behind again and he has to go out there and just play a bunch and, and find a way to to make big plays, then, uh, you know, clearly it's going to be tough to win. But if South Carolina can play from a position of power and not from behind, then they have so much more at their disposal on what they can do offensively. They can still limit what they ask him to do. They can keep him comfortable, and then maybe they can sort of wear, wear uh, Missouri down with the running game and sort of soft the game away that way. So I think, again, I mentioned it, Kentucky, it went way against South Carolina, but game flow is something that I don't think gets talked about enough in college football. How the game starts out, you know, who makes a big play early, who, uh, who sort of takes early control, it has such an effect on how the rest of the game has to be called, how, you know, how you make your decisions the rest of the way. So, South Carolina needs to, I think, play from a, a lead in this football game. And mm. if they do that, then all of a sudden I think they got a pretty good chance to win. But if they're having to fight and claw from behind like they did at Kentucky, like they did against uh, Georgia, then uh, it, it's just going to be very, very difficult. So Bentley appeared in the media room after the Kentucky game Saturday night. He did have a slight limp, but he – said that he thought the knee would be fine. Skarnecchia took a lot of first-team reps in practice this week, and DeCarrie and Joyner also got some first-team reps in practice. So a lot of uncertainty, again, surrounding the Gamecock quarterback situation, and I don't think we know what to expect at this point, Wes. We're going to head into Williams-Brice and find out. Yeah, let's go see. It should be a uh, – you know, it's never easy in the SEC anyway. It should be an interesting day. If anything, South Carolina fans should get a look. Um, and some of these fans, you know, let's call it like it is. Some of these fans on social media, um, in my opinion, have been very, very uh, harsh on, on Jake Bentley and a little bit too harsh on Jake Bentley. You know, I think Jake would be the first one to tell you he didn't play to his ability against Kentucky. It was not a good game for him. But um, fans also need to remember uh, that, you know, they've, they've had way – they've seen way worse quarterback play at times. Than, than what Jake Bentley has shown. You know, this guy's been a huge part of them getting to the point they were at last year with nine wins and the Outback Bowl win. Um, he's been a huge part of pro- the progress in the program. And uh, just, you know, bench the quarterback is is not necessarily the, the way to go. And I, I think fans have been, uh, uh, to me, even a little bit too personal in some of the stuff you see on social media. Not, not all of them, obviously. It's just a handful. But uh, I think uh, – you know, the point I'm getting at is that uh, those who wanted to see a change, they, they may get their wish today for, mm. for other reasons. And, and we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see what, what, what happens when, when that does happen. Bentley has started 24 consecutive games for the Gamecocks. He's thrown for over 5,000 yards in his career this season. 63% completion ratio, 928 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions. And he's 11th in the SEC in passer rating. So, if Bentley does not start today, we're moving into uncharted territory for Gamecock football. So it's going to be interesting to see, Wes, where the Gamecocks go from here, how they handle this situation today because this is a critical ball game. Tough games left on the schedule, and the Gamecocks need a win. Yeah, they do, and, um, you know, we'll see if they can get that. It's all about, again, execution, not shooting yourselves in the foot. I think we've 
talked about that enough probably all week long is that so many self-inflicted wounds for South Carolina at Kentucky. You just aren't going to win games when you put yourself in bad situations, whether it's sacks or turnovers or um, or uh, penalties, 11 penalties last week. Um, all those drop passes, all those things contribute to uh, to that loss. And uh, they, they got to cut down on, on all those things this week and uh, missed tackles, bad angles, stuff like that on defense. Um, all, all very, like, you know, just back-to-basics type stuff, which I'm sure is um, in some ways – I don't know if encouraging is the word, but in some ways it's fixable. But also, I bet, on the other hand, very, very frustrating for the coaching staff. All right, Wes, uh, talk a little bit more about the Missouri offense. Before we get to keys to victory today, let's talk about Drew Locke a little bit more. This guy's ninth in the nation in passing. He's averaging over 320 yards a game. But like we talked about with Gabe DeArmond earlier this week on GCR, Locke, the last two years, has not had his best games against South Carolina. No, he, he really hasn't, and they've uh, they've turned him over a couple times. And they've they've in many ways sort of had the secret sauce to, to beating this team, I think. You've seen Missouri put up huge numbers, uh, I mean just video game numbers, against, against bad defenses. And South Carolina, uh, you know, has forced uh, Missouri to go – the length of the field on them, I think, as far as sort of taking away some of those deep explosive plays they get, limiting their explosive plays. And, you know, I think that doesn't make for a fun game for fans necessarily, but uh, because they get tired of seeing a team just dink and dunk you down the field. But what that does, I think if you compare that with a offense that is playing a, a ball control time of possession game, and you're making Missouri's offense, you know, go on these seven, eight, nine, ten play drives and dink and duck down the field, then the clock is constantly running. So you limit their possessions. Um, you're playing sort of uh, umbrella coverage, you would say, where you're taking away the deep ball, uh, playing a little bit more zone than maybe South Carolina wants to in the past. And you're just forcing this team to, to use a lot of their plays to get down the field as opposed to um, making these big plays that they make against some of these overmatched defenses that they face. So um, that shortens the game. That creates sometimes more chances for, for turnovers. Uh, and I, I think uh, that, that's been the, the recipe, if you will, for South Carolina the last couple of years. And we'll see if they can do it again this year because um, Locke still throws the deep ball. He still stretches the defense vertically. But they also run the football a little bit more and a little bit better than they have in the past. So that – to me is, has been something that has been very detrimental to this offense is when they're in short yardage or when they're in goal line or even in late game situations trying to run out the clock. Um, if you're not a great running football team, that can catch up to you. And I, I think Missouri, it's interesting, Missouri may will probably finish the year without the raw numbers that they had the last couple of years, but they may be a better offense if that makes any sense because – a lot of times their their big offensive stats were when they were just putting up ridiculous numbers against defenses that were just completely outmatched. Yeah, Missouri brought in a new offensive coordinator this year, Derek Dooley, and he has slowed the tempo of their offense, and that's really helped the Tigers because 
it's enabled them to sustain some more drives, and they've kept their defense off the field a lot more. In fact, their time of possession is way up this year, and that's been a marked change for Missouri football. So we're just about ready to get it started here. Let's check on keys to victory today for the Gamecocks, and we'll send it over to Colin Taylor, staff writer with Gamecock Central. So obviously, you know, South Carolina defensively needs to be able to stop Drew Locke. Um, you know, they're going to have to get set, and, you know, it, it comes down to explosive plays. If they can get – you know, if they can limit Missouri's downfield passing attack, then I think that that becomes a one-dimensional game for the Tigers, and I don't think they're necessarily built to win games like that. I think they want to win on the arm of Drew Locke, um, and, and if they can stop that passing attack, which the South, you know, South Carolina ranks in the top 30 of pass defense um, through four games this year, um, if they can stop that, then things will go well. And, and offensively, I think it, it's going to come down to quarterback play. Um, if you can keep up with, with Missouri and you know, you can move the ball consistently down the field and keep that offense off the field, um, then you should be able to win this game. Um, but I think it's going to be close. I think both teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, and we'll see. Uh, I, I, if It'll be interesting to see how well Jake Bentley plays, uh, if he plays um, after that Kentucky game. And I think he's going to come out and, and want to prove people wrong and, and prove that he, that was a one-off instead of you know his consistent play. So, It'll be close, and I think that it's going to come down to how well the quarterbacks play against each other. That's Colin Taylor, staff writer with Gamecock Central with Gamecock Keys. And now for Missouri's Keys to Victory, we'll send it over to Gabe DeArmond, the publisher of PowerMizzou.com, our Rivals Network partner. The keys for Missouri in this game, it sounds really elementary and basic, but number one, they just can't make mistakes. That's a, Not too many of them. That's what beat them against Georgia. They were competitive in the game against Georgia, but they had three turnovers. They had a blocked punt. Uh, a few penalties mixed in at the wrong time. If, if Missouri plays a clean game, I think Missouri's capable of being competitive with just about anybody in this league except for maybe Alabama. But if they go out there and make a bunch of mistakes, obviously they're going to be in some trouble. Now, that seems pretty simple going into games. You can't make a bunch of mistakes, but for this team, it, it seems especially true. And then second, I, I think they've got to find a way to make Jake Bentley or whoever is playing quarterback for South Carolina uncomfortable um they haven't done that they don't necessarily have to have five sacks or or pick him off three times but they just can't let him sit in the pocket and pick him apart because with guys like brian edwards and debo samuel outside like this sets up as a game where i think jake bentley's capable of having 400 yards passing if he's if he's on his game and missouri's giving him time to throw if they can get back there especially if south carolina wants to throw the ball on first down and disrupt him a little bit put south carolina in second and long situations the the run defense has been pretty good and I think can hold up and give Missouri a pretty good chance but they've given up big plays they've given up a, a high completion percentage in the passing game and so they've got to find a way to get back there and at least make Bentley move around a little bit and get off rhythm. Thank you Gabe that's Gabe DeArmond publisher of powermizzou.com our rivals network partner giving us Missouri's keys to victory Wes really a key ball game for both teams today you know you feel like the season could pivot depending on how the game goes for both teams. A Carolina win could get their season back on track. Missouri looking at a tough schedule in October, so they need this win today just as much. No doubt, and the South Carolina fan base needs this win. I think uh, everybody's had a tough week after the way things played out in Kentucky. Mm. and uh, We'll see if this team can go execute and, uh, and find a way to, to get back on the winning track. All right, good stuff. Thank you very much, Wes. Yes, sir. Let's do it again next week. Yes, sir. Game Day Podcast coming up next week. And for Wes Mitchell, I'm Emerson Phillips. We want to thank Colin Taylor and Gabe DeArmond. And thank you for joining us for the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. Enjoy the ball game, everybody.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.